This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Finishing up the week. Hope you are getting through it. Focusing on tons of self-care. As much joy and pleasure as you can possibly handle. And as always, a lot of rest. And remember, you know, joy and pleasure and finding time away and distractions, sometimes it's about those easy, easily accessible small bursts of joy, right? Um, sitting and looking at something funny, right? Watching a YouTube video. I found myself sometimes just putting on my earphones and playing, or my headset essentially, and playing music that always makes me smile. I, I've talked about this in the past. I know what artists and bands will, without a doubt, no matter what's going on, just kind of rip through my veins and put a smile on my face and make me laugh or shift my mood. And it's not dishonoring my, what might be going on, but giving my nervous system and my psyche a moment away and just the chance to maybe, you know, kind of move into a new phase or state of being. And so I go play those bands and sometimes I'll bake I know it's mind boggling because I used to hate cooking. You know, those small moments are really important to us. So make sure you are working on those. Uh, and of course, the DMs, they are always open. We'll be gliding into those courtesy of Astroglide. So if you got a question for us or topic you want covered, drop it in our Loveline IG page. So pretty much all week without necessarily meaning to, I've been talking a lot. It's been like a little bit of a crash course in relationships, but that's all we have. That's all we are. We are relational beings, right? Everything's about that. So we're in multiple relationships at all times, whether it's family, friends, work, loved ones, romance. So it's important stuff. And we've kind of talked about the dating world, uh, affairs. I thought tonight we would talk about the difficulty sometimes in leaving a relationship. It's a really hard question that comes up. How do I know when it's time to leave? And how do I get out when it's difficult to leave? Because some people stay too long, some people leave too soon. And then there's others that know it's time to go, but can't quite get out. And that's because the attachment system, right? We wire to this person. We know that when we are in a truly attached relationship, and we've talked on the show about what that means, um, true attachment means reliability, consistency. We're thinking in terms of us and we. We've really, really attached. Well, that other person does make us feel a certain thing. They literally have an impact on our physiology. They impact our breathing. They impact our heart rate. They impact our blood pressure and they impact the hormones that are released. We, we wire, we fuse, separated only by our skin. That's what we seek. In fact, relationship, true secure relationship is somewhat of a social relational regression. And that's why when people say things like, people can't make you feel a certain way or you really need to learn to stand on your own, all I say is, wow, you don't understand the science of relationships and you don't understand interpersonal neurobiology. <laughs> that is what we do, that's the goal. And a lot of fighting and bad behavior is actually what we call attachment protest, where they felt as though there's a disconnection. And even though it seems like it's not gonna get them where they want, a lot of their behavior is them protesting that separation, that distance. And that's why we talked on, a, on another show about the difference between jealousy, right? Which is needing to be resolved and worked through versus an understandable attachment injury where it makes sense for the person to start to do behaviors that are about reconnecting and pulling you back in. And so that system is alerted when we're thinking about a breakup or being broken up with or leaving. And so there is a disentangling in that. Our, our nervous system, our brains are tangled. So there is a loss and a separation, right? There is a true break. That's what that breakup is about, the breaking up, the breaking apart of our nervous systems, our social identity in the world. We're a couple, right? People see us as an us. Our social lives, 
but also a breaking up of the hopes and dreams of what we thought we were going to have and that maybe what we counted on and our time together, that companionship. So there's a lot. It's not just, ah, oh, they're bad for you. Why can't you leave? Get out now. We also know from the abuse cycle that sometimes the partner does things that is ver- that are very confusing and become a trap where after a fight and violence, they then do the love bombing and the repair where all of a sudden they went from violent to, I love you, I can't live without you, they can't stop touching you, they can't stop calling, they're sending you gifts. It's called love bombing, it's not real. It's actually an act from their narcissism to maintain and keep what they thought they were gonna lose because they can't handle losing. It's not about you, it's about their inability to manage loss. It's a narcissistic injury for them. Their ego can't tolerate that. We don't buy into that. So we're gonna spend the show um, talking about reasons to leave, why people don't leave, ways to get out, and ways to maintain your outness, how to stay out from those unhealthy, toxic relationships. It's difficult work, and it's really hard for individuals, and it can take a lot of time. Not everything that's set as a goal is pulled, you know, no, we don't immediately step into action phase, right? In terms of the stages of change, sometimes we're, we spend a lot of time in what we call the contemplation stage, which is really thinking about, talking about, and we need our friends and loved ones to be patient with us. People will say, I'm so sick of hearing this, just do it already. And in in effect, you would say, I'm still in the contemplation stage. I'm not ready to step into action. I need to talk, process, and think about it more. And I need the loved ones. This is, you know, you speaking. I need my loved ones to be patient with me and to be in this with me. So please hang tight. Give them a heads up. It's going to take a little bit more time. Others are in the action stage. They're like, all right, I'm going to do it right now. (laughs) See you in a minute. You know what I mean? But that's, that's how it is for any behavior change, getting sober, maybe getting into a fitness routine, right? Career change. Sometimes that contemplation stage takes weeks, months, and even years. You know, we got to meet people where they're at, not make them, you know, achieve those goals quicker because we can't regulate and stay calm and and be a witness and part of their journey as they're making those decisions. All right, y'all, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to jump right in. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, we're back and we're talking about leaving relationships. You know, why it's hard, how to do it. Once we're in that process and taking the action, how to stay in that. It's difficult stuff. It's not that simple. And uh, people can stay stuck in it for a long period of time. Now, remember, there's so much tied into why someone doesn't leave. Again, might be part of the abuse cycle where every time that moment occurs where they realize I need to get out, something bad's happened. Uh, they start getting loved bomb, love bombed by their partner, which is an act of that partner trying to keep them there. Also, our self-esteem is involved. How... How worthwhile do you feel like you are? Do you feel like you're worth taking care of? Have people reflected back that you have worth and value, thereby making you feel like you have something to take care of? Do you believe that you have other options? Again, self-esteem. Do you feel desirable, marketable? What do you think your market value is out there in the dating world? All of that's part of this. What kind of investments have you put in? So let me start, let me just stay for one more second with the self-esteem piece. That, that sometimes is one of the hardest obstacles, is who am I without this person? What else is out there for me? But am I someone who I feel is worth taking care of? Have I been taken care of, which is how we then internalize that? Um, so that's, that's the core of a lot of this, right? So 
sometimes the work first is self-esteem building. It's not just getting out of the relationship first. Sometimes you have to build up enough self-worth, right? Then we move into, have we actually tried to work on this? Because that's a piece. Some people run too quickly or some people haven't given it a total shot. So I always say that if it's something that's a deal breaker where abuse has occurred, by all means, feel free to just leave. Feel free to put it on pause, take a break, you know, go work on self. Um, but other times it's more about, I don't feel in love anymore, right? Or some of the passions shifted or incompatibilities have arisen or are more profound and amplified than they had been, right? Um, different things like that. And not everyone, again, is in this phase where they're just immediately ready to pull that trigger. So I always say, give it its best shot. If you're already in a relationship, right? Most of us do have the time and energy. I always say, work on it. Really finally and boldly, courageously sit down and share with this person what it is that hasn't been feeling good for you. Because again, it's not just about that. It's also about how they respond to that, which should help you make that decision. If they're open to working on it and those conversations feel better about maybe giving it a little more time and working on it. But if they shut that down and they avoid that, well, that might be all you needed to see because they're basically saying, I'm not willing to change. So to stay is to just have more of this or they deflect taking any responsibility. And in any system, all parties are responsible because everyone is always contributing somehow. Even if they're only just responding to what you introduce into the relational system, their response still matters, right? So that's a big piece. Have you tried to work on it? Have you tried to have those really difficult, transparent, honest conversations about what you need and what's going on? And what is their response? Do they take some accountability? Are they willing to work on it? I see in my office every day these beautifully courageous acts of transparency, and vulnerability where couples are sharing with each other who they are, what they need, what they feel, and they're listening. They're having hard to hear conversations and hard to share conversations and movement occurs. And sometimes that's all you needed to see is that something else is possible or you needed to see that your partner really does care and really is invested and that's all you needed or just moving towards and starting to create those changes is enough. But you have to be willing to do that. I think that that has to be the commitment we make to this other when we enter into a relationship with them is that when things get tough or if I'm thinking of leaving, I will share that with you. Because one of the most harsh, un unkind, cruel things I can see is when someone out of the blue turns to their partner and says, I'm leaving because it's gotten too bad for too long. And the other partner says, but this is the first time I'm really hearing about this. We have to be willing to be transparent and let our partner know all on the way where we are, what we're feeling and what we're needed, which again is why I say to all couples, at least every couple months, sit down at least once a year and say, how has this relationship felt? Should we keep doing this? What, what kind of partner have I been? You ask your partner. What kind of partner have I been? What do you need from me? so that we can work on those things before the resentments have built, before we've panicked and thought there's nothing else that we can do and nothing else is possible, right? We have to be willing to do that. It's difficult work because not everyone is in the kind of relationship where that's familiar to them. So know that you might get to a place like that and always try to build in that intimacy. Also, our family of origin matters. Like, what, what are we familiar with? Maybe we've never seen better, right? Maybe bad is what we've seen from our parents and our family. And so we don't expect different or better. Or maybe we have, and that's a motivating force, but that really does matter, right? Like, what are you familiar with? What are you accustomed to? When I point out to some people, some things that are really toxic, they go, wow, I never knew that actually, because my friends do that. I see that normalized on television. My parents were like that. And so it's really easy to repeat these toxic habits because they're familiar to us. They're accessible to us, right? We think that it's normal even, right? But don't stay because of what we call the sunk cost fallacy, which is, well, I put so much time and energy and effort into this, so I might as well just ride it out. That is a horrible theory, a horrible theory that is not mental health centered. You deserve and mean, you deserve better than that. Just, I'm going to stay in a toxic relationship where neither one of us are happy. We're not getting our needs met because I've already put so much in. That's a horrible reason. And that's not a compliment to the other partner, you know, want better, want more. But again, that's the self-esteem work, right? Also, there's this piece of, like I said, dating market value. 
can you imagine being on your own? What would it mean to be on your own? What would it mean to have to step back out and do that work and go up against your self-esteem and your desirability? Don't let that be what holds you back, right? That fear, which I appreciate and I value, but that's not enough, right? We want better, we want more. Gonna take a little break. When we come back, we can keep talking about difficult relationships, right? When it's hard to leave, when you don't know if you should leave, and then maybe once you do, how do we take care of ourselves and stay out of it? It's complex, but we're gonna work through it, and of course, we'll be uh, gliding into those DMs later in the show, so stick around for that. Drop some uh, questions in our DMs on our Loveline IG page, but we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back. Talking about relationships, why they're hard to leave, why people stay and what to do once you're out so as to essentially stay out. Remember, our mental health is our relational health. Our relational health is our mental health. We can't say, ah, well, my relationships are going poorly. Lots of conflict, lots of uh, strife and distress, but I'm doing well, so all's well. No, we internalize that. Like we said, our relationship, if we are in a truly securely attached relationship, they, our partner, and what's going on in our relationship impacts our breathing, our heart rate, our blood pressure, our hormones, 100%. All of that is experiential. We are social creatures. Our nervous system and our brains are social organs. They are built within, and their health is impacted by the health of the relationships we are a part of. So it does matter. And the kids know. They're picking up on the energy. They're being related to by you and your nervous system. You are That's how it's the intergenerational transmission of trauma is because of our psyches, our nervous systems, what we're showing up, how we're showing up, right? Our closeness, our perspectives. All of this is transmitted and internalized by those around us and our kids. So all this work is big and it matters. And we were talking about how hard it is to leave when you're trapped in a cycle of abuse and your partner's constantly showing up after the abuse in a way that throws you off because now they're so loving. And we call that love bombing, which is a narcissistic attempt on the abusive partners, on the, for the abusive partner and trying to maintain that which they own and what they have. They're just trying to keep you. They don't care about you. They don't love you. They're doing what they need to do to keep you. Um, what really matters is how it feels when you're with them and, and that's not a good thing. So hard to leave. And we talked about all the different reasons why that is. Fear, right? Uh, the children. Oh, but I love them. Oh, but our finances are tangled. I'll have shame and guilt about telling my family that my marriage didn't work out or my relationship ended, right? All of those are reasons that shouldn't be a roadblock. Your mental health matters. That's where this becomes a self-esteem issue, right? A lot of things in our lives and our mental health are self-esteem issues, guided by, roadblocked by. So that's why that's what this work might be sometimes for some people, right? So why do you not think that you deserve better? Why do you not think that you can have or get better? And as we said, that can be a part of family of origin work. So if we're identifying that, yeah, it's time to go, this is something I can't be a part of, and I'm ready to uh, step into the action stage, right? Which can take days, weeks, months, sometimes even years. How do we leave? Well, ending a relationship can be complicated, right? Our, our families might be intermingled, our social lives, our identity, our finances. It's not always clean and easy and simple. But that's why in the dating stage, we're assessing. We're asking ourselves early on in the relationship, what kind of partner will this person be? What kind of parent might, might they be? How do we deal with conflict? How would they deal with us ending a relationship? Is this someone I trust that would be loving and caring? letting me work my way out, just like we worked our ways in? Or would they just be, all right, you're out, kicking, your, kicking you out, throwing your stuff out? It's a harsh ending. Healthy relationships end by working our way out like we worked our way in. We decide what's gonna be the most comfortable transition for all parties. That's how we leave the door open to maybe have some kind of future friendship or relationship, or at least just ending with love like we started with love. But a lot of people don't consciously uncouple. That's what we call that conscious uncoupling, a conscious breakup. Saying how we end this and work our way out matters just like how we worked our way in and what we built, right? It's not like, ah, oh, the ending doesn't count. And for new people, finding out about how your potential new partner ended their prior relationship is something to definitely find out about and explore because that might be how you're treated at the end of a relationship. And that's why I love when people in the appropriate time, in the appropriate way, say, hey, how did your past relationships end? Ended, are you friends with them still? And their answers will tell you their relational health. Do they speak poorly of them? Do they acknowledge their own part? Do they speak lovingly? Do they say, yeah, we ended consciously. I wanted to make sure this person still was cared for even though we knew we couldn't pull it off romantically, relationally, or a marriage. 
you know? So the first thing you want to do is make sure you have a safety net. Where are you going? What are you going to do? I, I don't advise for most people just jumping out. If it's abusive, sometimes we have to, but if not, create a plan. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to stay? And again, can we consciously work our way out where maybe we say it's going to take weeks or maybe even a couple months? Yeah. Sometimes that's the case because you don't have somewhere to go or they don't have somewhere to go or they don't have the financial resources yet. Right? So we need a safety net, we need a safety plan, and that can be part of really building the confidence to exit, knowing that you're going somewhere, somewhere that you have somewhere to go. Um, so make that plan, how are you gonna deal with that transition? You know, what possessions will you take? Where will you stay? What kind of financial resources do you have? I, I don't usually advise just winging it and haphazardly bouncing out, because even the possession distribution can be difficult. Did we buy the couch together? Is someone gonna buy the other out? Whose couch is it? Co co-parenting a pet, right? Like it's not always just clean and simple. Like you moved into someone's place, everything's theirs, or vice versa, and they're just going to move out. So that safety net and that plan are important. And whenever we're talking about anything that involves any fear or anxiety, a plan's always helpful. You know, having a sense of what's to come, right? Knowing that something is going to come, but also it really reduces that sense of having no control, you know, and, and breakups can feel like an, a sense of out of control and having a plan is a sense, a way to reassert that control. Um, we're going to take a little break and glide into those DMs, but when we come back, we're going to keep talking about ways to leave that toxic relationship. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. It's always open, false back, but we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back. And now it's time to glide into those DMs brought to you by Astroglide, lubes and lotions for everybody. Gliding into the DMs. Get into that lube game, y'all, if you aren't already. Oh, it spikes arousal, also helps us get more to orgasm and explore ourselves and our bodies. So do it, y'all. All right, this DM, uh, as always, DMs come from our Loveline G page. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've been single for four years. I had a super, I had a child, sorry, excuse me super young after one night. And our baby's father and I have decided to raise him under the same roof and be parents we always wanted to be. See, that's beautiful. You're queering family. You're queering the idea of relationship, which means flipping the norms and traditions on its head because you're creating what? What you and your child and your partner or ex-partner need. We're not trying to follow the rules. We're trying to create what we need. And if you and this person who you're no longer with, who you had a child with, say, let's still be family, bam, do it. Children need caregivers. Doesn't matter their gender, doesn't matter how many. It can be 10 women, one man, none of those things matter. All gay, all straight, we just need caregivers. Here you go, back to your question. We aren't together, we're more like best friends. Beautiful, have a child with your best friend. I know multiple couples that have done that in my practice and in my personal life. They both were like, we love each other, we are not in the committed relationships we might wanna be with others, and they raise a child together. Children need caregivers and love, period. That will work, all will be well, and you're gonna see more and more of that, so it's something we do have to get familiar with. I love that, we shouldn't be not stepping into the things we want in our lives because we don't meet the criteria that culture told us. It's okay if you're not married, it's okay if you don't have a man or a woman in your life. You're allowed to step into it in alternative ways. Back to the question, it said, I just kinda of gave up on the idea of being happy and finding a partner. Well, I just met someone a few months ago. They are so great, but I feel like I don't deserve them. I constantly feel like I have too much baggage, that my situation is messy. They tell me all's fine, but I feel like it's too good to be true. I appreciate that, because like I just pointed out, you're living in a very non-traditional way, but you have a very beautiful life. You know, having a, a supportive best friend, having a child are assets, right? And this person seems to see it as such as well. I don't want you being with someone who's stuffy and standard and traditional and doesn't understand how the real world, wor the real world works. That'll foul you up in other ways. So the fact that this person is accepting your queer, diverse, creative life is a good sign. So this is what the work is. Settle yourself down, right? Learn to trust what this person tells you and don't decide for them what they want and need, right? And also keep in check your anxiety. Acknowledge when you're thinking things or doing things out of anxiety and don't act from it. It's okay to feel it or to think it, but don't act from it. And also share some of this with them. That's part of intimacy building and closeness. Hey, I really value you being a part of my life. I worry sometimes that my life isn't exactly what someone might want. Let them be a part of healing that. But don't constantly lead right from that woundedness. And, and again, this is like a commentary to the wider world. Support people that have these alternative different styles. More of it, please, because 
this author of this question sounds like a phenomenal person will make someone else, you know, his life better for being brought into it. Having a child or having a best friend that you're co-parenting with isn't a deficit. And the people that see it as such aren't healthy enough to be in your life anyway. So some of these things actually help you weed through and move away from those that you should be weeding through and moving away from, you know, this is your life period. End of story. Good, bad, complex, or simple. doesn't matter. And you want to be around someone who sees the value and strength in it. Not someone who sees it as a deficit or a limitation. I have my own versions of them and I don't have a child and I refuse to have someone tell me my life is too complicated too public, you know, facing or whatever the other factors are. My personality is too big. No, you're too small to be a part of my life. Actually, you go find someone who's more submissive or, or likes relationships of deprivation. I'll, I'll move forward with someone who's strong enough and confident enough to participate in my life, right? So you have to lead from your better self, but give it time as well. It's brand new, you said. Time will kind of soothe that. Time with this person with reliability and consistency and availability will start to soothe that. So let the natural relational process kind of do its work. All right, y'all, we'll be uh, taking a break and coming back. If you uh, have a DM for us, a question, a topic you want covered, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And we got y'all covered and uh, past episodes. As always, y'all know this. We are channelq.com and uh, feel free to check out some of them other shows. You know what I mean? <laughs> check out some of the other people's work. But uh, yeah, so you got a question for it, hit us up. Stick around, we'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. Oh, Rachel, we're back talking about exiting relationships. So I wanted to throw at you three questions that I have people ask themselves. And this is all part of our discourse on um, bump -a -da -bum, relationships, right? Getting into them, being better, exiting. And uh, sometimes people, when they're thinking it's time to go, they're not sure really how to, how to completely confirm that this is in fact the best move for them. So there's a couple of things I tell them to do. Question number one. Some of these might sound a little corny, a little hokey, but I like that's a little bit of a roar shock. I always say to them, and I do it very casually, hey, so if your partner, and again, this is me referencing the partner that they're pretty sure they need to leave, but they're feeling a little anxious about, I'll say, if they were a piece of clothing from your closet, what would they be? And there's something really honest in that. Seeing what they go to immediately, what has the most power? Oh, that very comfortable sweater that I love that I put on, it makes me feel very safe and comfortable. Well, bam, that was meaningful. Or do they say, or do they struggle to even tell me? Bam, that's really meaningful. Or do they say something like, I don't know. And actually, I actually heard someone say this. Nah, this comfortable pair of shoes that like, I don't necessarily love, but I know they'll always be there. And like, it's the right shoe to wear sometimes. And you're like, wow, that ain't great. <laughs> but there's something really honest and just immediately responding with what they associatively and symbolically bring up for you. You know? because it's hard to leave relationships. And people often don't even know what the steps are to take, right? And we talked about making a plan and moving slowly. And in, and in the next segment, we'll talk about what the rest of the steps are, but really think about that. What piece of clothing would you say really best memorializes, symbolizes, or associates your partner with that piece of clothing and how you think when you see it how you think when you put it on, how you think when you're wearing it, what's the association, right? And just, you have to be quick about it. Don't overthink it because then you're maybe starting to fold in there the anxiety or shame or guilt of having to really face what, what, what you think of this person. Okay, what else do I ask them? Well, I go back to my favorite statement of that helps us really assess our relationship to a lot of different things in our lives. How do you feel before, during, and after? How do you feel when you see this person calling you or texting you? Or how do you feel immediately when you see that you got a text from them? Do you feel excited? Do you feel happy? Do you feel safe? Do you feel neutral? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel scared? Right? How do you feel when you're with them? If I popped in in the middle of you spending time with them and I said, how do you feel when you're around them right now? And then more importantly, how do you feel when you've walked away and having just spent time with them? Do you feel better? Do you feel good? Afterwards, do you tend to be smiling a lot? Do you tend to be neutral? Or do you tend to leave often in a fight, feeling bad, shrinking, feeling put down, not feeling cared for, not feeling heard, not feeling seen? Before, during, and after. 
that, 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 that can apply to a lot of things in our lives. Your job, how do you feel thinking about and heading to your job? How do you feel while at your job and how do you feel after having been at your job driving home? The answer is always bad and negative. It's time to get a new job. Your mental health means more. But relationships, you can have that same thing. Same thing with a friend. Same thing with a family member, right? Same thing with maybe the city you live in. Because our mental health matters and that's the best way to assess it. What is, what is the impact it has on me emotionally, psychologically, physically, right? But relationships, apply that. See what you come up with for those two things. What piece of clothing, before, during, and after. And then finally, and I think this is also very valuable, when I am spending time with this person, what parts of myself come out? What part of me do they bring out? Yes, people do make us feel things. Yes, people do co-create things. People can bring parts of us out. Yes, we are responding to something. Our partners aren't these neutral things and it's just all us. No. What part of yourself does, are you more aggressive? Have, have your partner and you normalize meanness and abuse and name calling and bullying? Like are you, when you're around them, do you tend to see yourself mocking people and parts of yourself you don't like? Or do you see yourself having your better self brought out? Like that matters too. What part of yourself? A worse self, a better self, a self you're proud of, a self you're not proud of? Really check in on that. That's another important one. So it's what piece of clothing would you associate them with? Or what piece of clothing would you say reminds you of them? How do you feel before seeing them, during seeing them, and after? And then what part of yourself is often brought out when you're with them? Really sit with those things. Because those answers are going to be very honest. Often they're coming from our unconscious and or our consciousness, especially when we talk about symbolism. Right? Go paint them. Go write a song about them. What part of yourself, what part of them, I mean, when you think of them, comes up first and is most relatable, most consistent, most profound? Because our mental health is then that. <laughs> and you can apply this to friends. When I'm with that crowd of people, what parts of myself am brought out? Good parts or bad parts? Right? How do I feel when I'm on my way to spend time with them? How do I feel after having spent time with them? And again, what piece of clothing would I say most reminds me of my friends? And then you have to sit with those answers and say, what do I make of that? Is that, what does this tell me I need to do? Right? Do I want to stay with that? Do I want to leave that? Do I need to ask for change? It's important. And that's why I like this. It's a little more of the unconscious, but work with it. You know, what songs remind you of them? What movies? Um, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we can keep talking about uh, the things to think about when leaving a relationship. We're kind of itemizing, then we'll get back to finishing that out. And uh, later in the show, we'll be uh, gliding into those DMs brought to you by Astro Glide. So uh, stick around for that. And if you've got a question for us, drop it in our DMs on Loveline IG page. Any topic you want covered or something you want me to uh, drop deeper into, you can put that in there as well. Like I said, we'll come back and finish that off and then uh, wrap up on just a few more quick tips and ideas. So stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about bump -a -bump -bum, ways to get out and stay out of abusive, toxic, unhealthy relationships. Uh, some people stay too long. Some people go too early. So uh, talking about things to think about when you're on your way out, we talked about building somewhat of a safety net, having a plan. The best way to decrease anxiety and fear about anything is to map out the course. Then you have a sense of what's to come versus saying, I have no idea what I'm stepping out into. And we also talked about, and I'm calling this out to everyone, be a good person. <laughs> Not to mention being a good ex-partner, be a good human being in the world and help someone comfortably exit if they're the one moving out and you're the one staying or vice versa. Um, conscious uncoupling is what we call it. Now, what else do we want to think about? Setting a goal to be independent. That's right. One of the best ways, and we talked about this about getting over breakups, is going to be very much related to this. And that's about deciding who do you want to be? What are some things that maybe you had left behind? Stepping into newness, right? Really challenging and developing yourself. So School, career, education, reconnecting with family members, friends, maybe a relocation. We're not talking about panicking and saying, I need to get out of town. That might be what you need. Who knows? Maybe this relationship was preventing you from moving forward and going to school or taking a job somewhere else. And now's the time to do that. But it can, it can help us to move into new environments and to meet new people. Even if we're not necessarily feeling ready to get back to dating, it, it really helps for us to remind ourselves that there's a world out there, there's people out there, and there's other parts of our identity. We're still, we might not be married anymore, someone's boyfriend or girlfriend, but we're still a family member, we're still a friend, and we matter to people. And 
there's still fun and joy to be had. And so it's really important to reconnect to that, to stay connected to that. Um, also, part of getting out of a relationship is starting to tell people that it's something you need to do. That's how we can build that accountability for those that struggle to leave, is start to share with the important people in your life why this relationship isn't good for you. And that's a way to indirectly or directly build that accountability. Hey, this is something I need to get out of. I'm laying down the foundation. I'm planning my way out. Can you support me in that? Can you hold me accountable to that? Can you keep maybe checking in on me about that? Because you know, that's something that might help really push us forward because we might always come up with reasons as to why we think we're going to stay. Um, also getting into some therapy, you know, I work with a lot of people at different transitions in their lives, entering relationship, leaving relationship, becoming a, a mixed family, right? Um, newly ran in the date, newly re-entering the dating world after having been in a relationship for decades. I mean, think about that kind of transition. The world is completely different. Um, there's some people that have never seen or utilized a dating app of any kind. Also people stepping back into, uh, their sexuality because maybe they've been only with that same partner for a length of time. Right? So a lot of different things we can do there, but, uh, reach out, get some therapy. You know, you don't have to go through it alone. Professional help can can help. Also, like I said, um, indulging in yourself. <laughs> I know, going into some self-care. Um, what are some of the boundaries that maybe you were allowing your partner to hold you accountable to or, or to set that weren't really honest with who you are, right? Um, sometimes we shrink down in a relationship to someone and now it's our time to expand out, rebuild, uh, step back into parts of ourselves that we shamed or let our partner shame, you know, and that can happen. Sometimes we really shrink ourselves down so as to keep our, you know, partners happy and our relationship stable, but we abandon ourselves, you know, our identity, our goals, our dreams, even our ideals, our, some of us, our politics even, we let this other really um, kind of detour us away from that. So now's that time to get back to that. And I'm obsessed with this concept. I say this over and over. And also finally doing the work of saying, who was I, who do I not want to be again, and who do I want to be again? Really learning from that relationship. That's a really powerful way to heal, is to make meaning. We know that. There's so much literature and research on the power of making meaning out of a struggle, and that's what changes it, right? That's what gives it worth and value, because um, there's a purpose tied to it. You're, you, there, there was something meaningful in it. It wasn't just strife and struggle. But this is why I'm always saying that, you know, relationships are where we're going to do our, our, our most meaningful and intensive self-reflection and, and work on ourselves because relationships bring it all up. It brings it all up to the surface. We're up against all of our stuff. And uh, we don't have to currently be in a relationship to be able to do some of that work. Although we are always in multiple ongoing relationships of different kinds and those have meaning and value. We tend to, I think, overemphasize the romantic ones. But attachment is a part of why we do that. Attachment theory and all that that brings with it. But um, just work on yourself. Work on what, what, what's going on. I remember when I, again, left my engagement, I got back into an educational program. I started to travel, uh, reconnect with some friends that I hadn't had enough time or energy to spend time with. I cut back on some of my work hours. Um, I made use of that time. You know, I also allowed myself to be where I was. I didn't, you know, hide from my feelings or avoid them. I was very open with my friends and my family members. Um, but I also did that difficult work of learning about myself, what I allow, what I don't want to allow again, what parts of myself I allowed to be brought out. And that's always interesting too, right? Because depending on who we're with, it's a co-creation. And so parts of ourselves that might've been muted in a prior relationship or maybe amplified in this one or vice versa. So it's really interesting to see. And that's also a part of just healthy dating in general. It's like, my God, looking at what parts of ourselves being with that person brings out because they are a part of that. It isn't, we're, we don't exist in a vacuum. You know, those were around normalize, right? Or further shun and shame. And so that's a powerful thing to see. Who, who was I on that date? You know, every time I see them, do I recognize myself or am I leading from a false self? And I saw that in my engagement, that I had abandoned a lot of things that were really important to me. And I wasn't able to really see that until afterwards and, ha and stepping into that freedom to really get back to, you know, being an authentic and total self at all times and in all spaces. And that, you know, continues to be a goal for all of us. So anyway... We're gonna take a break in a minute, but uh, just really sit with what pieces of this are most important to you and really dictate the kind of work you need to do next. Um, we're gonna be back and later in the show, of course, we'll be closing out with some DMs. So if you got some DMs for us, drop them in our Loveline IG page over on those DMs and past episodes of Loveline. Always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face and click on it. All the old episodes are there. You can binge, post, share. 
good stuff back there. And uh, hey, also, if you're online swooping around, pick up some of my books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines. But nonetheless, we'll be back finishing up our uh, discourse on relationships. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We'll be back. All righty, we're back. Now, <laughs> when we exit relationships, break up with people, friends, family members, whatever it is, we are really great with that physical piece. Generally, there are some people that struggle and they'll still spend time with them, sleep with them. That You have to figure out if that's part of you working out, right? working yourself out of the relationship slowly, or if that's you trying to hold on and go back. So check in on that. But my bigger point is we tend to be most aware of the physical, spending time with, not spending time with. But we don't tend to understand or think about the psychological or emotional. And what I mean by that is this. You've physically left, but you need to also emotionally and psychologically leave. And some of the ways that we still very much stay, thereby not letting our brains and nervous systems and our psyches unwire, move forward, and just really deal with the grief and loss, is number one, we have to unfollow them on social media and not go on and look because that's the way we're keeping them actively present in our minds and our lives. They might not physically be there, but they are absolutely psychologically and emotionally still there. You've just spent time with them. And you know that that's true because you will start to feel certain ways in your body and in your mind and emotions will come out. So part of the breakup often for many has to be unfollowing and not spending time creeping on their social media. That is, I, I really, really, really mean that. I hear people talking about, yeah, it's over, but I'm still on their social media. I'm like, well, then it's not. You're still spending time with them frequently. Yep. What's another way we do that? Well, by still constantly bringing them up and in by talking about them. Yes, there's a place to process and share with our friends. Yes, there's a, please, a place for mourning. But then there's a point where you have to say, I need to learn how to be without them. And every time I have a conversation about them or go on their social media, I am bringing them back into my body, my nervous system, my psyche. I'm spending time with them symbolically. They're still there. Now, it works for us beautifully when someone has passed or left us and we can spend time with them emotionally or psychologically by looking at pictures and telling stories and going into memories. That's a beautiful way to spend time with people that are no longer physically with us on this plane, right? Because they've, they've died. But when we use that for people that we don't want to still be spending time with because we've left them relationally, it works against us. So there's a positive version and a negative version, right? Telling stories and those memories when it's a positive one about someone we miss is good. But when it's us putting them down, attacking or feeling bad, whatever it is, that is not helping us release. And so I'll lovingly say that to friends. How about we make a deal that we don't no longer process or talk about them? It sounds like there's no new information. Now we're just ruminating and spinning our wheels and just going on and on. And that's exhausting for your friends and family members, FYI, because there's a point where like they can't have that person in their life anymore psychologically by still talking about them. But you also need that break. And so a good friend might be like, hey, maybe let's not talk about them anymore. Let's move on from that. You know, we have to know the appropriate and right time for that. And same thing with social media, block them. Or just you have to work on that impulse control. When you want to go look, you have to say to yourself, there's, there's either too much time in my life and I need to fill up my schedule. And there's too much time. Obviously, I'm spending this much time with them symbolically. Or you need to say, listen, some of the needs I might still have that I'm going to get met by, by, by looking at their stuff, I need to put on someone else. I need to get back out there and start dating. Or I need to you know, turn to friends for that. So you have to ask yourself, like, what, what's driving that to spend time and to reconnect? Um, it's not good, but people don't always examine or think about that. They think it doesn't matter or it's neutral and it's, mm, it is, it does matter. It's not neutral, you know? I think um, a co uh, uh, another piece of that would also be, you have to also not not dramatize, right? We're not, we're not, you know, throwing everything out, but you also might wanna take a little tour of your place and see if there's also some objects or mementos that maybe need to be stashed away out of sight for a while or maybe even completely gotten rid of because again, it's keeping them actively alive. You know, you're having a great day and you walk into a room and you see this thing that reminds you of them. You don't, you don't need to be bumping into them like that. You don't need to be letting them be brought into your day, especially if it's at the wrong time. So sometimes we have to put those mementos away. 
You know, maybe we want to have them for later to sit with memories. It's okay to want memories, uh, but we might not need them actively in our life or in our way. And sometimes it's about throwing them out, but be very thoughtful because I'm, I kept a lot of things from my exes because I do want to be able to down the road, smile and look at some things that remind me of good times. But then there was other things that I thought this was not related to a good time in my life or a good person or good experiences. And I don't, I don't need to bump back into that. So you have to do an honest assessment, but like maybe take some time wandering around and say, what, what is reminding me of them? Um, you don't want to dramatize it, like I said. Maybe you don't want to throw it away, just put it out of sight for a while. Because again, we don't always consider the symbolic or like I said, the emotional and psychological where things bring them back up and into our lives. And we want to have control over that. We want to give ourselves the chance to have a great day and not be bumping into them on our feed, right? In a conversation. And that's also it. You might want to tell friends and family members, hey, I don't need to hear about them anymore. Because I've had clients that have had to go say to friends and family members, I'm going to ask you to not share with me when you bump into them, or I don't even want to be told what's going on in their life. And also please don't share with me if they're reaching out to you asking questions about me, or please don't respond about me. Please don't share with them what's going on in my life. It's okay to set that boundary. I've had to do that with people as well. They keep asking and I'd say, you know what? I'd rather not know. I don't, I don't need to know that they're now with someone or you saw them while out, um, et cetera, et cetera. So know that you can set those boundaries. That's part of a self-care, you know? And people sometimes mean the best, but don't know, you know, and fight those impulses to want them to tell you. There's nothing, there's nothing constructive in that. Um, all right, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to glide into those DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, we are back. Now it is time to glide into those DMs, brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm 32. Recently had to move back in with my parents because of the pandemic and a breakup. Awesome. So glad that you had family that had a home and space for you to move back into. I think that's a great thing. We need to get away from pathologizing that or shaming that. I would love to move back home with my mom and my brother. That would be a phenomenal setup. Unfortunately, I live across the country. I would love to have more time with them. I love being around them. I would love for us to cohabitate. Truly, I, I'm being dead serious. When my father passed away, I was saying to my mom, come live with me. Come live with me and my babe. You know what I mean? We'd love to have you. Maybe we'll bring you into the home. Maybe we'll find you a space nearby. I love that. I will not shame someone still being at home to save money or because it's comfortable and makes sense for them. Truly. Y'all got to get out of your own ways with these judgments. Uh, But back to your question. You said, I'm feeling depressed all the time. I found myself wanting to either be asleep or wanting to be out of the house all the time, but never home. Yeah, I get it. When we're feeling depressed, we want to kind of step back into the world, distract ourselves. So, so far, some of that's okay. It's okay to sleep more. It's okay to maybe rely on food and other things to help us cope or manage ourselves as we're also working on the solution. I tell people when they're depressed, amp your socialization up, focus more on hobbies, focus more on activity, being up, being out. You know what I mean? Let it learn to let some of that depression be a companion on your journey, but also do the deep introspective work to examine. Is this just generalized depression that I need to live with? Is there something specifically that this is a symptom of that is calling attention and I need to be looking at and working on? Like that's the real question. What is this depression a symptom of? It's not a, it's not a brain disorder. We know that it's a life circumstance. What's going on? Uh, back to your question though. You said, all my parents do is fight. Ah, oh, there it is. It's hard to be around, right? It's toxic for you. I appreciate that. Uh, My brother, who also still lives here, is miserable and won't even talk to us half the time. That's hard. Let him be. You know what I mean? I want to talk to my parents and try to set boundaries, but they are so against therapy or even the idea of deep conversations. 
man, that's probably why they fight all the time. They can't have them with you. They can't have them with each other. And instead of leaving or doing that work and confronting it, they just stick around and make each other miserable and you too as well. Sorry to hear that. What a horrible way to live your life. Um, our relationship is better when I'm not here and I'm at a distance. Is there a way I can break this down for them? No, it's not appropriate to. And a lot of people are too dug in their own ways to hear that. This comes up often. Like basically you're asking kind of how can I change them? You can't. Your work is how can you work on acceptance and boundaries so that it doesn't really leak into your life and make your life harder. That's it. If you've already lovingly sat down and said therapy would be great and, and walk them through why and all that, then you've kind of done all you can do. We have to at some point accept that some people are going to live their lives the way we don't think they should or a way that we think is not healthy or a way that's not best for them. And at some point we have to let go. This might be their legacy. And that's sad. I get it. You love them. Just keep making that available. Keep trying to have those deep conversations. Keep leaning in slowly. If we're not familiar with it, we can't out of the blue just go from zero to 60. We slowly work on it. So keep working on it. Keep chiseling away. Keep bringing in more transparency. Keep bringing in more vulnerability. You know what I mean? Slowly work on getting them more familiar with it. And that's the best you can do. Otherwise, focus on your life. They are responsible for the life they're creating. What do you want? What is your next step? What's gonna make you happy? You know what I mean? Focus on that, truly. What is this depression speaking and saying? I need to get out of the house. I need to focus on purpose and meaning in my life. I need to get confront what's holding me back from getting back out into love and dating. Focus more on yourself. Some people have an identified patient, their parents or their partner, and that's a way to deflect from them doing the difficult work they have to do with themselves. So that also might be what's happening. So kind of come back to self a little bit, you know, self-care, joy and pleasure, purpose and meaning in our life, all those things, you know? It sounds like maybe you should get into therapy. I think that would help you manage all the different things. So maybe look into that, you know? Um, all right, y'all, that is our show. If you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline AG page. Give us a follow back and uh, check out my page, at Dr. Don here. I'm always posting some tidbits, dropping gems and my stories and my hard posts. And my books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines. Check them both out. Tons of good stuff in there. And uh, wearechannelq.com is where you can go to find the rest of our shows. You can binge, post, re-listen, share. It's all there and there's some other good stuff happening. You know, that's part of like mental health is not just maybe going to therapy weekly. It's not just being in healthy relationships because our mental health is part of the health of the, you know, all the different relationships we're in, but it's also the things you read and the things you listen to. And it's really good to have touchstones and anchors and reminders. So maybe make some of that part of your self-care practice or your individual work. But as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.